God has many uh, things in his word that will open up your understanding to receive. In Isaiah uh, 55, this happens to be one of my favorite verses, because uh, my favorite one. It says in verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You come here tonight, some of you are just starting out, some of you are just curious, some of you whatever, some of you are advancing, but you know when you begin, your thoughts are different from God's thoughts. And God simply states here, my ways are better. See, in general, we will agree with that, but whenever you receive the Word of God, you'll be in full agreement saying, yes, God, your ways is better, and that's what I want. Otherwise, we're just saying your ways are better, and we don't know what we're going to do. See, God watches over His Word to perform it. God says, I'll not alter the thing that's going out of my mouth. He says, I'm not going to change whatever I say. So this is one thing when you begin to read the Word, you begin to develop a confidence. Like it's saying here, your ways are not His ways. They're not as high as His ways. But when you begin to hear His Word, you begin to aspire. You begin to reach up. You begin to believe. You begin to walk in faith because His Word gives you something to help you reach up. It gives you a platform to go up to the next level. So he says, uh, just like he says, I'm not going to alter what I've said. God doesn't change his mind. You know, around some ladies, they go shopping on the Internet, and then they turn around and return it. They change their mind. You go to the store, you take it back, you know, the next couple of days. You know, there's changing your mind. But God doesn't change his mind like that. And that's the reason why the Scripture's got to be very popular. It says, God says, I know my plans for you. From the beginning, he had a plan for you, and it's your part to get into that plan. God has a plan. God has something for you. He has something he wants to put in you, something he wants to give you. He has something he wants you to be involved with. He has a way for you that, that he has designed and called forth, and he didn't change his mind just because you don't get involved in it. The children of Israel went through many different kinds of things, but God didn't change his plan ever for them. Though they were in slavery 400 years because they didn't give the Sabbath rest, they still, their children got the promise, not those that were living when they could have gotten the promise. Praise God. I don't want my kids to get my promise. I want to get my own. I want my children to have their own. I want to direct my children where they get their own promise. I'm known in, to my in-laws of not meddling with my, my in-laws or with their families, and my, my children, their families. I just don't do it. I figure God gave them good sense. You know, and they have the ability to direct their lives, and they have these things. They have to ask me uh, straight out, plain forward, for I will offer things because they grow. They're a family and they're growing. And that's the way God wants you to be. He expects you to take hold of the things of God and the Word of God, put it into your life, and use it and let it prosper you in the thing that God sent it to. So let me re finish here on the next verse. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth the bud. Now, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
I like God's Word. I was uh, teaching the other day to the men on, on the soil, different kinds of soil, and that's kind of what you control. You can have rocky place in your life where a big old stone there and you always go around it. Or God can actually heal your life of those hard areas in your life that you've gone through, that divorce, that problem, that abuse, that whatever it was. God can actually heal you so you can actually get that thing out of the way and serve him and take hold of the whole word of God and plow the whole field, not just go around things. And uh, some were uh, on hard ground where they were just constantly trampled over. They're, it's a life that's been put underneath everything. You've been through everything, but you've never come out. you never had that broken up in your life. And that's one thing the Holy Spirit does is he'll break up that hollow, that fallow ground in our life. He'll, he'll break it up so it's able to receive the, the moisture from the rain and able to receive the seed of God into your life. So wherever you're at, or you may be one of those that's on good ground, but even the good ground brought 30, 60, 100 fold. I had a good, good example many years ago. I got married, and many years ago, my best man at the wedding, he, uh, were very, they were some of the best farmers in Bee County, and they farmed, I don't know, maybe two to 3,000 acres. But they're the kind of farmer, not only did they plow the middles and plant the seed and plow the ground, lay it away, and broke it up again for whatever they're doing, but... After they plowed it, and if you don't want plowing going, the middles are is once the plant gets up, you run the the uh, farm equipment through that middles, and it gets rid of any weeds. But there's still stuff growing right where the corn's growing, right next to it. Okay, well they would take a hoe out there and get rid of the sunflower seeds and, and sunflowers and all that kind of stuff that was coming up. And three thousand acres, and I don't know, they worked all summer doing that before they harvest the crop. And that's a good farmer. And some of you may be like uh, a friend of mine who was a pastor. He planted a, a garden, but he never did work it. <laughs> and you, he had fruit, but you sure had to get through the grass burrs. I mean, it was totally grown up with grass burrs. So, you know, you may have some harvest, but you need to get taking care of those grass burrs. And so I'm going to encourage you to work your ground, to make work where you're at. Make your application of your life into doing the things that God says to do, to be well, uh, uh, well prospered in whatever you're planning and to have that. But um, notice the Bible said here, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. When you have the things of God coming up in your life, it is seed to those around about you. I believe in putting in other people's lives. I believe in sharing the Word of God whenever they're in a really hard place. Come to me. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to share the Word of God. I'm going to give you something from God's Word that's going to help you to take that and, and, and have something in your life. But it also, at the same time, it's giving me bread. See, it isn't all giving out. It's also getting the benefit of what it is. Now, the same crop, they make bread, but they also sell the rest of the seed, right? Uh, they, they can also use it for their benefit and also for benefit of others. And that's one thing. Once God shows you something in the Word of God, I've had revelation come to me and went to pray for somebody for something, and, and I said, oh, man. And then for many years, I used that same thing again. Whenever God didn't give me a revelation, but that was a revelation God showed me, and I can use it again and again. That's just like bread for me. It's something I can use over and over. I, was, I, I got it. I got it. 
by going to do something, but it was read to me, but it's also seed to the person I was putting it into. So we're going to be studying on the Word as one of the roots that you need to put down your life. And that root needs to go down because the stronger the Word and the deeper the root of the Word is in your life, the more understanding. Like most of you, well, let me finish that scripture in verse uh, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. Hallelujah. Years ago when I first uh, come to know the Lord as a 17-year-old, I was like most of you, I didn't really understand or know much about the Word of God. You know, I had a lot of almost like superstitions, things I believed that you grow up in a church thinking, you know what I mean, that this is what it is and that's what it is. And, you know, uh, I've gone through several different, seen God move in several different ways over the years. Uh, and sometimes people were so, or I, at one time people were so conscious of their their uh, confession, but they're leaving out the, the real having faith part. You can have the right confession, but you need the faith part. You know what I mean? And the way I begin to understand is when the Word is in my heart, my confession will be right. So I don't worry as much about changing my confession as I worry about changing my heart. Because that's where the Word of God is planted in your heart. And none of us are exempt from it. Pastor can't go without it either. I mean, pastor is a great man of God, very well studied, but if he leaves off the Word, you know what's going to happen. Other things are going to come in. Other things will begin to take over. And uh, what God showed our men's group, a real simple example was, I said, if I had, a, say, a kernel of corn, and we're all going to plant corn, how many kernels do you think could come out of that one corn? I think I looked it up at times, like something like 800 and something seeds because you usually get two ears per, per uh, stalk of corn. And I'm thinking about, man, what an increase, right? There's hardly anything you get 800% increase on. But the Word of God is that way. But if I gave you a kernel, you a kernel, gave everyone in here a kernel of corn, would any of y'all be jealous of the other person so they got a better kernel than I've got? Would you say, man, I don't know why I can't get the same thing, but you just got the same thing. And we all agreed that each kernel had the same potential as the next one. And that's the way God's Word is. pastor doesn't have an advantage on us in this. Yes, he has an anointing. He has a calling, which is very good. But we have the same seed. You have the same seed when you begin to plant it in your heart. It will bring forth one of those five kinds of growth, depending on what's in your life. And it should become the predominant thing in your life. It should become the thing in your life that is there, and you've, you've, you've taken it because... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is quick or sharp and powerful. It divides even your thoughts and your intents. 
See, if we're left to ourselves, we think we're pretty good. Or we think we're pretty bad. Or we think we're pretty so-so. It's just the human nature. Some people think they're the best thing in the world. Others will think they're, they're the lowest thing ever created, you know, and others will think, I'm just average. See, all those are thoughts that we have, but when we begin to take God's Word in and begin to realize that it's going to prosper what He sent it to do. Now, what is prosper to you? Is that two times, four times, eight times, 800 times? What is prosper? God's putting the same potential in his word to each one of us. And in my life, I never really got a hold of that till I went through, really during the 80s in the word movement, I began to hear somebody just keep saying the word of God. They just kept hearing the word of God. I kept hearing men whose experiences and lives, some of the greatest men uh, uh, contemporary of that time that had that had preached the gospel around the world, had done everything in the Bible they'd seen, they had done these things, some of the greatest teachers, but they kept pounding the Word of God into my life, and somehow I started believing it. There's something when you bombard your life with the Word of God. There's something when your heart begins to change, your mind begins to get a hold. You begin to, whenever the Holy Spirit says this needs to happen, you say, oh, yeah, it's in the Word of God. And, I can, and you begin to agree with what God wants to do much easier than whenever you haven't ever heard or read the Word of God. See, God wants you to agree with Him. In the Old Testament, it said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Most people can't believe that. They think their sin is so bad that God can't really hardly do anything about it unless it's an absolute miracle. But God said, let's just reason it together. I want you to hear what my word says. And you can give your argument out of your mind, out of your side. And I tell you, when you begin to use God's word and your argument and you keep hearing the word, pretty soon your mind's going to come over this way. Because God said, the word that goes out of my mouth, it's going to prosper. It's going to become greater. It's going to become more than your own thoughts. And I'm telling you that because in my life that became the greatest change I had experienced. I was doing a lot of things at earlier ages and everything, but... Uh, but then I began to see this happen. I began to get a hold of the Word of God, and uh, I was going through some of the most trying times in our family that our family had been through, but it's in those times that I found the closest relationship I had with Jesus Christ began to really grow because I would just get into the Word. I began to hear it. I began to read it. I began to take it. And I didn't have a bunch of people around me speaking faith. I was just hearing it. You know, I hear new concepts. Somebody come out, there was a song because people thought they were just so unrighteous, so ungodly, and God couldn't do anything with them. When I heard uh, David Engel saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, a brand new creation in him, and that hit me. That's what the Word said, but I thought, I, I, I just 
It's hard to even believe. But the more I heard it, the more I began to believe it. And I know in your life, if you'll read the Word and hear the Word, the more you do it, the more you're going to believe it. God's seed is the same. It's your reaction. It's your taking it in that begins to establish you. I mean, many of you here tonight, you can sit back and say where you were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and where you are today, how the change has come into your life. And it's simply because we have a pastor that's faithful on Wednesday night, not just to preach, but to teach you the Word of God. Because you're going to grow and become mature and developed by hearing the Word of God. And so when he said here it's going to prosper uh, and accomplish that which I please, it's going to do all those things. Uh, so God's going to give you seed and bread. So when uh, Associate Pastor uh, George Cono is out ministering, he's not being drained, but he's being built up. Because he gets seed to give to the people, but at the same time, he's getting bread, so he's actually becoming more built up than if he wasn't doing anything or if he wasn't involved. So one of the ways to really get built up is to use the Word of God, walk in the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, read it, and, and let it penetrate your heart and build you up in the things of God. Just like God said, his, his ways are higher than our ways. They don't work on the same level. See, in your life, you're working on the natural level. And the natural level has a lid on it. But the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do some things. Don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Because the Spirit level doesn't have limits. Until you're in heaven, right? Then you reach the, the upper limit. But God is sending and putting in you the Word of God tonight and every night that you come here on Wednesday nights that you might learn and you might grow, that you might prosper in the things God sent His Word to do. Uh, there are several scriptures. I may not have time to look up all of them, but Hosea 4, 6. I just want to show you a few scriptures that pertain to you. Hosea 4, 6. If you want to turn there, I'm sorry I didn't get to run off all my scriptures on the computer because it's a little quicker tonight to get ready. Hosea 4 6 is a scripture that describes God's people. It says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Uh oh. See, when you, don't have a, when you have a lack of knowledge, you're allowing the devil to do things in your life. Now, the devil doesn't work from knowledge. He works from accusation, distraction, misdirection. So when I go in here and I start to say I go to the Lord in prayer and I start quoting the Scripture, the devil will say, yeah, but you remember so-and-so, or he'll say, uh, don't you need to get ready to go do that tomorrow? Or he'll say, he'll distract you some other way. He'll misdirect you or redirect you into another line of thought that you might not receive that word of God, and it might grow and work in your life. So 
you need to set you ways and means that you can receive the Word of God. There's a brother uh, testifying that he had trouble falling asleep when he went to pray. So he solved the problem. He sat on the side of the bathtub. After the first time, I'm sure you'd be awake, you know. (laughs) That temptation, you sometimes have to do something with it because your flesh wants to relax and be at ease. Your flesh wants to go to sleep, but the Spirit wants to bring you on and cause you to prosper and, and take hold of it and not be worn out and tired from all those things. And it says, uh, it says, why? Because you have rejected knowledge. and You've forgotten the law of your God. He goes on to say there, two of the reasons why you reject knowledge is a lot of times you had not even heard it. I mean, how can you have faith in something you haven't heard? It's a very basic principle in the New Testament. Faith comes by hearing, but your hearing is opened up by the Word of God. So when I'm reading the Word of God, it opens up my hearing. If my hearing is opened up, then I can have faith towards God. So the Word just opens up. The entrance of His Word gives light. There's many, many scriptures describing that event. Then we'll look at Proverbs 29, 18. But while we're going, let's stop at Isaiah 5, 13 and 14. We're already close to there. These are two or three scriptures talking about the Word of God, the importance and what happens when you don't use the Word or have the Word or it's, it's not being used as it should. He says, uh, verse 13, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. My people. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people go into captivity. Not only does that happen, their honorable men are famished. The best among them are starving. <laughs> when you don't have the word, so you don't have bread to eat, Right? And in the church, a bread is the word of God. And Jesus said, my bread is to do the will of the Father. And so they're not doing the will of the Father. They're starving to death. It's kind of like a cycle. When a drought come in and you're not receiving the word, you begin to not have bread. You get weak. You get all these other things. But when it's the other way around and it's a prosperous time and you begin to grow and there's more seed, there's more to eat, there's more to do, there's more strength that you have in the things of God. So he's, he's telling them, and this is what else it has. It said in their multitudes are died with thirst. They're just wanting a drink. You know, I'm glad it's not that way here, but in many people's lives who are coming to this body of Christ, many of you on the Internet, you're saying, I'm so thirsty. I have, I, I'm so hungry. I've not been fed. I don't have anything in my life. And I feel so weak because I'm starving to death and I'm famished and I'm, I'm thirsty because I haven't had anything fresh to drink, you know, from the things of God. Well, God has the same word to you that he's giving to us tonight. And that is his word is sent to refresh you. It is sent to feed you. It is sent to bring forth in your life the glory of God and the things of God. It's sent to make you. The Bible actually says, when you do these things, they will make you to be successful. Good practices of the Word of God makes you. It makes you. And uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 13, 
in 14 says, this is what else happens. When people get starving and they get hungry in the body of Christ, when believers, uh, having been involved in church for many, many years now, and I, I've gone to churches and they're so dry because they haven't had any word of God that would lift up their heart. I'm not just making a general statement, not anything in particular. And, they're so hurt, and they can hardly believe what goes on around here. I mean, if they have one or two baptized a year, I mean, the month we had 22 baptized around here, I thought, praise God. And one Sunday we had to bring extra chairs in our room, talking to new believers It just came. Praise God, had to get five or six new chairs just to put in there because we didn't have enough seats. And I, I'm thinking about, you know, that's the difference between receiving the fresh Word of God and working it in your life. I know you're doing it because I see the fruit right here, but I want to encourage you to increase. I want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. And some of you have never got into the Word of God, and you never had this, and you're, you know, you're saying, well, what is it about? How do I do that? How do I start doing it? Well, you start reading the Word. You don't strain too much on what's going on, but you read it that you might grow thereby. And then you may start next getting a study out of the book of John or something, studying the book of John. Or you may get with one of our Bible studies group, and we do New Believers courses just so you understand several of the things that God has provided for you. And this is all working together to increase the body of Christ right here. And that's the way God has designed it to work. But I want to encourage you to increase it more. Amen? And it says in the, uh, it says, Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he rejoiceth that descendeth into it. It's showing that hell is getting larger because God's people don't know. It says we're being destroyed in Hosea 4, 6 because you don't know. Yeah, I'm just letting you know that what you don't know can't hurt you. You know, that's why they put all these warnings on all different kinds of equipment. Some of you might not know if you're working around a tractor with a, a PTO, a power takeoff. Don't wear loose clothing. Why? Somebody wore loose clothing. There's a reason why butchers are missing one finger. You know, some are. I happened to work as a butcher for a few years uh, in my family's business, and I got all my fingers. I got a little shaved off one time. Felt the blade one time on a bandsaw, and it's about as close as I got, which is just a little more. You know, I know how close it is. But I know that, that uh, the Word of God will help us and develop us and keep us and make us and give us new ideas, give us new ways. It'll encourage us. When you're full of the Word of God, you're ready to do something. It's really a life check, right? You're ready to do something when you're full of the Word of God. When you're full of the Word of God, you're ready to go out and do things. When the Word is alive to you, when you read God's Word, when you hear God's Word, it's like, man, that's what I'm going to do. 
you get inspired. I'm going to go all that way. I'm going to jump all. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything the Bible says. I'm going to have it all. And you don't see any way you can have it. That's when a person is full of the Word of God. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to let you look at this one a little bit. You know, sometimes we memorialize things, but we really need to learn how God works that we might serve him. God's not trying to be a mystery. Remember he said, I'm not going to alter what I said. If you'll turn over there with me in Mark chapter 16. We'll start in verse 11. I set the scene here. The disciples had been through much. They had walked with Jesus for three, maybe three plus years. They had seen the miracles. They had walked right in his, beside him. They had sat many, many days hearing him teach when they wasn't teaching the multitudes. They had been there when he fed the multitudes and taught them. They had been there whenever he did these great things. The Bible said the 70 that was there with the disciples at one time, he sent them forth into every place he was going to go, every town, every village. And God confirmed his word in them, and they come back rejoicing because everything that God's word said was happening wherever they went. And so we're looking at these disciples who had much experience, but they needed something more. They had heard the words of Jesus, but they haven't really made them, they hadn't really came alive in their life as they're going to at this moment. And sometimes when you're right there going through something and you've been saying the word of God, you've got to stand on that word and stay there. So I've read the scripture says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word won't. See, when I begin to hear the word of God, it begins to say, I begin to say, God, your word's more true than what I thought. Your word will do what? Man, I never saw that. I never believed that before, but his word convinced me of God's greatness and his willingness and his hand and his provision and all these things that were given to unto men, and all the things that Christ had done, it began to convince me of those things and and began to show me. Now, not everything's a blessing because the Scripture also says we'll suffer persecution for His namesake. So that's something we we should suffer, but we suffer everything else, which the Scripture says we don't have any business suffering, basically. If Christ died for it, if Christ suffered for it, we can't do it better than Him. See, sometimes people think they'll give their life. No, Christ gave his. It's sufficient. You can't do it better. If you're going to give your life, you lay down your life for your fellow people, you go out and serve them. And in the case of you're a missionary and they kill you or our old thing, well, that's part of the persecution that will come. But as far as serving the Lord and giving your life, you will always be better off serving God and doing things in the kingdom of God. You may think, you're so busy. I had people watch us have children, and the children grow up and said, one thing they noticed, we didn't change when we had children. They always said, behind our back, they'll change when they have children. 
No, we went right on through. We did things in spite of having children with our children. Sometimes the kids hate it. <laughs> but they learned also. And, and, and they love the Lord today because we were faithful to do through everything what God had put in our hearts, not observing all the little things that go on in life. You can either get your eyes steadfastly upon what's going on in your troubles and your trials and your situation, or you can get your eyes on Jesus. So let me show you the disciples. You're not unique to this. Go to Mark 16, verse um, 14. So the disciples are hidden in the upper room. They've just seen Jesus crucified on the cross. They weren't brave enough except Peter to go there and get around the place where Jesus was at, and they began to accuse him, and that's whenever he three times denied the Lord and all that. So they've gone through all these experiences. Their whole world is turned upside down. They had, like many Jewish people, believed that Jesus was going to set up as a kingdom now in the earth. But Jesus had told them, my kingdom's not of this world. But they thought it wasn't, but thought he was going to set his kingdom up here. You know what I mean? So they go through much, uh, much heart searching. And there are times in your life when you're going to go through some heart searching. But if you settle upon the word of God, it will be your steadfast anchor in the middle. One time the disciples, everybody left Jesus because of some of his sayings. And Jesus said, you're going to leave me? And the disciples said, where would we go? Man, what a position of commitment. But that wasn't even enough commitment. They need a little more. But said, where would we go? Kind of reminded my great uncle, him and his wife, when they first got into a fight. She went in and packed her suitcase. He went in and got his suitcase out beside her and started packing it. And he said, what's going on? He says, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> And that's the way we should handle some things in life. We need to get with Jesus and pack our suitcase and be ready to go. She said that was her last time to pull that. <laughs> Praise God. But look what it says here. Afterward, he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat. Now they're hiding, they're eating, but they're in that upper room where he had uh, been such a glorious thing just a few days before, two weeks before. It had been a glorious time and thing, but... Now they're in that upper room, and now they're there, and it's not the same. Because some way, Jesus is not with them, but he's fixing to show up. We all have those times in our life where Jesus is not with us, but they had remembered the last word that he said. They remembered his word. He says, you go back to the upper room, and you wait there until you're endued with power from on high. See, they had packed their suitcase and was staying. Now, if you studied it a little bit, you'd find out there was 500 when he ascended. When they took him up in the clouds. But there was 120 whenever the Holy Spirit fell there and things began to happen in that upper room later. There was 120 still there. See, not everybody was still there. Some had already wavered and took off. But he was saying, okay, I told you what to do. You go do that. 
And it wasn't that long. It was just a few days. That was more than we can normally take. A few days in our own cares is more than we can take. A few days with our own problem is more than we can take. A few days in your situation may overcome you. But for those who grabbed a hold of the Word of God, those few days showed up and then the glory came. Those few days passed by and they had received the promise, not even knowing exactly what it was, they received it and it was more glorious than they even imagined. Hallelujah. It says here, he appeared unto them and upbraided them. Y'all may not know what upbraids mean. That's a no English term. What does it say up there? And he reproached them. It's probably kind of hard to understand it. He got after them. He got on to them. And that's one thing Jesus does, his word, it gets on to us. It shows us. You need to get out of that unbelief, get over here in faith. You need to get out of living underneath everything and not get on top. You need to quit carrying your own burdens and just carry mine. One thing I've learned in life is cast my cares on the Lord. For he cares for us. But when I give him my cares, he says, take my burden. It's light. You see, everyone in here, your burden's light to me. But my burden's heavy to me. The ones sitting next to you, do you feel a real heaviness of a burden? No. But in your own life, you feel a real heaviness of burden, right? Because that's the way it is with each one of us. That's why he says, cast your cares on him. Take his burden for it's light and easy. And you begin to see the, the word of God come to pass. So he begins to upbraid them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. The disciples, after three years with Jesus, after seeing all that, they had unbelief and hardness of heart. After hearing the very words from the mouth of Jesus, after being with him day after day after day, three years is over a thousand days. Walking every step with him, following him every place he was going, walking in the same path he was walking, seeing the same things he was seeing, hearing whatever he said, but they still had hardness of heart and unbelief that was still in their life. And so after he upbraided them, he said, okay, y'all got this in your heart. Because they didn't believe those which had seen him risen. They couldn't believe the women who saw Jesus risen. They couldn't believe the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they, they saw the, that they had walked with Jesus. They couldn't believe those kind of things. They couldn't believe even though they saw the stone rolled away, the cloth all enwrapped up and everything, and they saw these things in the... Uh, all these things they saw, which if they knew the Scripture would have been fulfilled, but to them their hearts was filled with unbelief. He's left us. Anybody ever hear that? Most everyone that's heard in our life, Jesus is not with you. 
He's left you. They begin to hear, if you go outside, they're going to catch you also and put you on a cross. They're looking for you guys. You begin to hear the accusations from the enemy. And those accusations paralyze you. That's what they say about a lion. His roar is so big and so loud that it paralyzes the prey. They don't know which direction it comes from. It is so all-encompassing that they will freeze, and it gives the lion a huge advantage. You would think the roar would make you run faster, but the roar brings a confusion, and the animals don't know which way to run. Sometimes that pretty much describes some believers, right? But the, even though the, the enemy may roar as a lion, he says the enemy goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if you're not looking at the Word of God and being in the presence of the Lord, you'll hear the roar and you won't know what to do. In my life, I've been through the most trying times in our life, uh, in one, situ- one area of life, for the last almost eight years. And I'm about through with it, so I praise God. But, you know, I could have hear- heard the roar. I could have heard the impossibility of the situation. You know, most of you probably never noticed it. You may never have noticed it. But it was, that's the way you should. Because I held on to the promise of God. I said, God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging for bread. I've never seen this happen, God. I've never seen, Lord, I, I, I have done this. And, Lord, you said you would do this. God says remind him of his word. Remind him of his word. Remind him of his word. You say, I'm supposed to remind God what he says? Yes, that's what he said. That's why we take the Scripture and we say, God, We need to be like that four-year-old you promised to go buy him a toy. He will remind the parents of their word, right? And we're children, right? So you need to be reminding God of his word, of the things he has said. And if just like a child we receive the kingdom of God, we need to be reminding him. God said, put it there. Put it on the, in the Old Testament, the priest had little little frontlets right here that they had the Word of God right here, right before them all the time. That was one of the, the pieces of their uh, priestly garment was a, called a frontlet, and it was right here to remind them that the Word was right there in front of their eyes set before them. We see it in Jacob in, uh, as, he, as he carved out the sticks with stripe, and the cattle come to drink, they'd see it, and they had striped calves, and he got all the striped ones. You know, we've seen that principle of God working in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is if you put before your eyes the things, that's why if you set the Word of God before your eyes and your heart, your heart will change. Your mind will change. You see, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. 
always some, say somebody's all right if they're trying different things and still failing. At least they're all right. They're not, they, they're still, you know, have something working. It's better to be trying and failing than failing to try. There's an axiom in the business world that says people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. going to ask you tonight, are you planning to fail or failing to plan? Are you planning to be successful and prosper in the things of God in your heart and life? Are you planning on growing in Jesus? Are you planning next year to see the increase in your heart and your life and your spirit man in every area in God? We don't know what this economy will do, but we do know what God will do. And I've been seeing y'all take in the Word of God, and this has been such a blessing in my life as one of the elders here to see you grow thereby. It says we're to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we might grow. The disciples went through the same thing here. They, they were all in doubt and unbelief, and Jesus come and spoke to them, said, now y'all need to get out of that doubt and unbelief. Quit having your pity party, you know. And they're the same guys that turned the world upside down, but they had to go through this first because then they'd be ready for the other tricks of the enemy, the wiles of the enemy. And he told them then, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he believeth not shall be damned. They wasn't doing any of that. They were hiding in an upper room. They wasn't going out doing anything. See, the work of the devil is to make you hide. The work of Christ is to shine forth and go out. See, when Christ worked in my heart, I put myself out there. You can do things to try to hurt me, but it doesn't. But if I hold it all in, everything you do hurts me. I think, man, why did they say that? Why did they do that? I mean, I've had people tell me different things like get out of here or go home or whatever, you know. But I know when I preach the Word of God, the effect it's going to have. Same people haven't called me back. A week or two later, one man like that, his wife called me about 1131 night and says, come over here. He wants to see you. That's after he told me to go a couple of times, you know. So, <laughs> so I went over there, and I got to lead that man to Christ that night. He was ready. So what you do, but the other thing was he passed away before 6 o'clock that morning. And I thought about how close it was, but I was glad that I wasn't offended because it's not for me to be offended because of the word, I was just there faithfully giving it, and God's word did the work, and God's word penetrated the heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. When you read the word of God, it will start dividing some things in your life. It'll cut some things off, but at the same time, it starts bringing some of the things of God into your life. It starts increasing your power to live after Christ. It starts making you more like Christ. It makes you able to agree with what God wants to do and more clearly see what he wants to do. He says, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we'll see him face to face. And in between there and the heavenly time, we are growing in Christ and able to see the things of God more clearly now as we take hold 
of the word of God. So he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In verse 14, the disciples were living in a bondage in a room and didn't want anybody else around. Didn't want to tell anybody. Didn't want to do anything. Jesus, in verses 15 through 18, explains to them and preaches the gospel to them, preaches the word to them, and they hear it, and they believe it. God hadn't changed his formula. Hear it, believe it. They were in doubt and unbelief. Hear it, believe it. They were walking in fear, hiding. Hear it, believe it. They were the men who God desired to turn the world upside down, but they were afraid to even unlock the door. Because when Jesus entered in there, the door was still locked. Because they didn't want anybody even coming in there. At least they were staying there, but they couldn't. That's wrong. Let's look at the last two verses. This is key for us as believers. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, after Jesus gave them word, after Jesus had said these words unto them, And when you look in God's Word, it should be just like Jesus saying those words to you. I don't need Jesus to call me apart and have all those separate experiences. I need the same experience that they had. When I read it, I need to live it in my life and receive it in my life just like they did. He goes on to say, After he had spoken unto them, he was received into heaven and set on the right hand of the Father. So they went forth, preached everywhere, the Lord working them, confirming the word with signs following. Glory. Those that were afraid, those that were concerned with their life, those that didn't want to die on a cross like Jesus, most of them did, but they gladly. Because they had much more of a promise. They were persecuted and those things. It says, after they received the word, they went forth and started doing what Jesus had already wanted them to do. They started doing what he had already spoken. They started doing his very example. They were men like, and women like you and I. They had concerns. They had doubts. They had fears. They had a life. In the natural, they weren't ready to lay it down. But they were men and women like you and I as when the word came. It changed in their heart. All those cares, all those reasons that they had disappeared. All those things that had been built up in their heart and their mind was suddenly gone because the word was spoken to them. Gone was fear, gone was uncertainty. You see, the devil is the accuser to you. 
He says, Jake, you can't be anything. Right? He spoke it to you. We could probably sit here and listen to some of the things he probably spoke to you. But he says, you can't do it, Jimmy. You got all this and this and this. And some of you are saying in my life, in your life, says, I can't do it because of this and this and this. But Jesus is speaking to you tonight. He's speaking to you tonight that my word that I've spoken is greater than your fears. My word is greater than your inabilities. My word is greater than your failures. I don't care what you can't do. If you hear what God says, do it. It's not relevant what you can't do. It's relevant of being obedient. And the disciples had to learn that lesson. They experienced that fear, that concern that kept them frozen. But when they heard, all that stuff left in their life. So tonight, if you're believing something in God, you've been believing here and you've been afraid at the same time, I want you to turn that loose. Take hold of the Word of God and say, God, your Word, your promise is this. God, say, God, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging for bread. God, I have not seen your people without provision, God. I have not seen your people without deliverance. For it's by your hand, O God, you will deliver us. The three Hebrew children said, I'm not afraid of the fire. I'm not afraid of the king's order. I'm not afraid of the furnace. I'm not afraid of the soldiers that's going to put me in there. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of living. But one thing, I'm not going to bow my knee to all those things that are running through my mind. They said, I'm only going to worship the one true God. I'm only going to turn my heart and life to the one true God. He delivers me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to open up the altars for, for prayer. If you want to get the children back in, that'll be good too. Hallelujah. If anybody needs prayer, come on up tonight. And hallelujah, some will be praying with you. In case somebody here, you said, but I just want you to determine in your life, God, I want your promise. I want your word in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.